football is all about trust. When you can trust the guy, you know, coaching you, trust the guy you're playing, you know, you're going to have a lot more success. And uh, I think the thing about Cramsey is we had that long, you know, brutal quarterback competition. I think the easy decision would have been to go with Jake. But, you know, I think he saw something in me and, you know, he knew how his offense worked and um, he put trust in me. And he was the first coach, you know, that I think really just kind of, I guess, put his neck out for me and trusted me. And that made me want to, you know, perform, you know, that much better, you know, because I knew, you know, he had my back and he, he put himself out there kind of you know, to take the criticism of the decision of, you know, making me the starter. And you know, I was just glad that I could back up that decision he made. Well, my brother, Brooks Duanas, partner at Skyline Sports, always says that among the best athletes are the most photogenic athletes, and among the most photogenic athletes are the best athletes as well. Guy joins us next here on Catching Up with the Cats. We got more good pictures of this guy than almost anybody in our Skyline Sports archive. He's Dakota Prukop, former Montana State quarterback, and now currently with the Edmonton Elks. And so, Dakota, first of all, thanks so much for being with us, man. How's life in Canada? It's great. I'm uh, I'm still playing ball, so I'm happy. Um, I'm with my wife. Uh, we travel uh, to and from Canada every year for about six months to play some ball. And uh, and I and I saw you stutter there. It is the Edmonton Elks now. A lot of controversy on the name change, but um, oh man, formerly were the uh, Eskimos. Yeah. So, but uh, I'm loving it. I'm having fun, and so excited to uh, talk to you. I did a triple take when I was preparing for this thing. I was looking you up, looking at your Wikipedia. It's like, I swear it's the Edmonton Eskimos. It's been the Edmonton Eskimos my whole life. Uh-huh. And then I realized that they changed the uh-huh. name just within this year, right? It's only been a couple months, right? Yeah, this is the first year. Um, this is the first first year. And, you know, it's a, it's been a cool situation. Um, there's been a lot of uh, kind of, I, I guess, awareness um, up here just about the indigenous population. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of different things happen with their children and, uh, border schools and and so at, at quite a few of our home games or actually I think every home game so far we've had um, a high-ranking uh, member in the indigenous community kind of uh, have like an, a ceremony um, at each home game and it's been a neat experience kind of um, learning a little bit more about the uh, history and culture up here of um, you know because you know the you know I, I just feel like you know America is a little bit older and um it's cool because you're kind of watching history unfold out here and some of the latest developments of, you know, kind of the interactions between uh, modern day and kind of the past and the people that were on these lands prior. So it's been cool. Well, you mentioned your wife, and I, well, I guess we'll start there because that's oftentimes the most important part of this whole thing. Because I know catching up with some of these other guys for this podcast series, I, mean, I know Mike Person. Uh, he met his wife while he was in the NFL, but uh, he gives all the credit to her for letting him chase his dreams because he was on practice squad after practice squad before he finally landed on an active roster. I know Brad Daly met his wife at Montana State, as did Zach Minter. And I know J.P. Flynn, he somehow got himself wrapped up with a girl in a big-time Grizz family. So that's sacrilegious if you're him. Uh. <laughs> Either way, Carolyn's awesome, too. Uh, but tell us what where did you meet your wife? And because uh, I think that that's a pivotal part of when you're a professional athlete, having somebody that's there to support you when you go home. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, if not for her, I don't know if I'd still be able to be uh, chasing my dream. Um, so we met at Oregon. She was an athlete at Oregon. Um, you know, a lot of uh, when I look when I look back at my you know college years and I look back at going to Oregon. And you know, my opinion, the best the best thing that came out of it was I met my my wife. You know, I met my soulmate, and uh, she's the most supportive person in my life. And 
Um, she's helped me in so many ways in terms of football, you know, she's really helped me grow professionally in the ways that I needed to grow to, you know, be able to keep doing what I'm doing. And, you know, I think to play quarterback at a, you know, at the professional level, you know, whatever league it's in, um, it takes an incredible amount of discipline and um, structure. And those are things that she's really helped bring to my life. Um, if we're just talking about football <laughs> and then off the field, um, you know, I just, she's, she's the better half and, I truly feel like, you know, I'm a better person when I'm with her. And that's why, uh, that's why I just say I'm just so incredibly lucky. Um, but uh, she's a trooper. You know, she sacrifices an incredible amount um, so that I can continue to chase my dream of, you know, being a starting quarterback and um, professionally. And, and so, yeah, we come up here uh, for about half the year. And then the other half of the year, uh, we'll go back down. And we've kind of been you know, uh, hopping around in the U.S. trying to find our roots. But this last off season, which was, uh, you know, a really extended off season because of COVID, we uh, settled down in uh, Southern California in a little beach, a beach community um, down there. And uh, she likes to surf and she likes the beach. So we kind of found our spot. But, um, yeah, uh, just, you know, I'll echo what some of those other guys said. Um, you know, I'm extremely thankful. and <laughs> I don't think I'd be where I am today without her what's the situation been like with with the border because one of my buddies who i was roommates with for a long time actually because he kept his house in missoula while he was still playing up in canada and then my brother ended up living there anyways cole berkowitz who played for the grizz for a while he played for the saskatchewan rough riders for a handful of years he ended up marrying a girl from canada and uh then when mm-hmm. the pandemic hit she was up visiting her parents and she couldn't get back so he was like living in a hotel in missoula for a long time while his wife oh, was basically man. stuck and he couldn't get back in because he wasn't a canadian national so have you guys had any struggles like that when you're living up north? Yeah, man, we uh, there, it's been crazy. It's been crazy. But, you know, by the time uh, we came up this season, kind of seemed like uh, the CFL and the government had come to an agreement and they kind of figured some things out. But, you know, our season was delayed quite a bit. So our, our season normally uh, runs, I think, you know, 20, like the last, uh, second to last uh, week of November. And this year it, it got pushed back till I think the Great Cup's going to be December 14th or December 12th or something like that. So we had quite a delay. We have a bit of a shortened season. I think we're at 14 games instead of uh, 18 or 16 or something. But, uh, you know, when I was coming up, I, uh, man, I can't remember the name of the border, but I actually, so I drove up through Montana and I drove up, uh, through like Missoula or I guess alongside it I didn't stop I didn't want to you know get sick <laughs> I don't know the air the air <laughs> air quality was just awful uh no I'm joking but yeah, I drove up through, and I <laughs> went up, runs through, deep, flat, through flathead it, it runs deep man and you know what's funny Colton is my so my GM uh Brock Sunderland he's a former Grizz Absolutely, so yeah. No, I, I'm I on the just, board of directors for the Montana Football Hall of Fame, and we're uh, we're inducting Brock here uh, this next class. And, oh uh, wow! Yeah, no, there's that. Oh, we'll get into man. that because there is just Montana yeah, yeah, ties yeah. and Big Sky Conference ties littered across the CFL. Oh yeah, they, they say this CFL is the uh, Big Sky, uh, Big Sky, you know, 2.0 for quarterbacks. You know, it's all Big Sky QBs. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I drove up through um, Flathead, and then I went up through. Uh, uh, the uh, glacier, kind of the edge of Glacier National Park, I think it was. And, uh, and so I went through this small uh, border crossing. I can't remember the name of it, but I actually drove through um, uh, reservation. And I get through this border crossing, and they had no idea about this whole CFL government kind of exemption that had been travel exemption, and then it worked out. 
So I got held at the border for like four and a half hours. And, uh, and <laughs> I wasn't like detained, but they just, they, I don't know. They, you know, I don't know if they hadn't gotten the memos or whatnot because I had all my paperwork and, and they just were like very like, uh, hesitant to let me through the border. So, um, I know it was, I know it wasn't just me. I guess it happened to a couple guys across the league, but at the start of the season, um, it was definitely difficult driving through the border. And then, you know, it's been pretty, you know, I, I, ha- we're coming up on our second bye week and I'm not going home just because I don't know what the rise in COVID and stuff again, you know, who knows what could happen, but um, it's, it's, yeah, it's been getting uh, pretty crazy. Uh, and then the last thing is uh, they're, they're enacting a travel ban for all unvaccinated or all unvaccinated citizens in Canada to so no trains or uh, planes. And that starts, I think at the end of this month, and so there's players across the CFL that are still not vaccinated. And uh, so the whole thing, the whole big story right now is how are these players going to travel to games? And so it's, it's at the point now where it looks like if, if you're not vaccinated, you're not going to uh, be able to travel to any away games. And so that that's going to be, you know, that's pretty much going to start in playoffs and for the championship. So weird, weird stuff, weird stuff going on. And, but you know, Hey, I'm just, I'm just thankful that we're getting to play. Because our, our our last season, our 20, uh, 20 season, got canceled. So I'm happy to be up here. I know a lot of guys are. And the one thing I always say about the CFL, my favorite thing about the CFL is that, you know, if you're up here and you're playing, like, <laughs> you really love football. You know, it, it, it definitely, uh, the cream rises up here in terms of how much you love football. Because if you don't, there's a lot of stuff, you know, I don't think you'd put up with. You know, just, you know, going away from your family for six months, you know, going to a new country, um, stuff like that. And it's different when you're not playing for, you know, $40, $50 million contracts. But uh, the guys up here love it. But this year especially, you know, there's been a lot of difficulties with COVID over the last two years. and So just the fact that we're playing a season right now, you know, have a lot of gratitude for that. Well, let's talk about some fun old memories. Catching up with the Cats, Dakota Prukop joining us. Catching up with the Cats presented by Blackfoot Communications. We appreciate Blackfoot for all their support in all our podcasting endeavors. We have an entire podcasting network, and they are a primary sponsor of this podcast, as well as the Big Sky Breakdown, as well as Grizz Greats, the 20th anniversary of the 2001 National Champions. So we have a whole bunch of stuff for you. Collaboration between Skyline Sports and Blackfoot Communications. Dakota, I know that uh, you grew up in California, but played your high school ball in Texas. How old were you when you moved to Texas? Texas and, and just tell us about the evolution of your love of the game of football. When did football become a, a huge goal and a huge passion for you in your life? Well, you know, the, some of the youngest pictures I have was me and my dad holding a football. <laughs> so I feel like I was uh, uh, bred into football um, on purpose or not, I guess on purpose, right? But uh, no, my dad, so when I was young, my dad was still a coach. He was coaching at the University of Southern California, it was the last uh, I guess, major gig when we were living out there. And my grandfather, um, I, I feel like we might have talked about this way back when, but my grandfather played at the University of Southern California. Yes, I do remember that. Spent a whole, his, yeah, his whole life. He, uh, he played his, uh, or coached his whole, his whole life, uh, you know, different colleges here and there. Um, but, you know, I moved to Texas when I, think, uh, in kindergarten. So pretty young. Um, enough that I claim Texas. I don't claim Southern California. I think wherever you play your uh, play your youth football, I think that's where you got to claim where you gr- you grow up. <laughs> that's where you learned all your life lessons. No, but uh, so pretty young, um, went out there, and uh, you know my dad got out of coaching, um, which I'm really thankful of. Uh, you know, being on being you know still in the game today, I see the amount of time that you know coaches put in 
on a weekly basis. And, you know, they sacrifice a lot. And I, I guess the biggest sacrifice is other families uh, just because it's such a time intensive job. And so I was really thankful. You know, my dad got out of coaching and the primary reason was he wanted to spend time with his kids. You know, my brother had just been born. And uh, so, you know, because of that, he, he was my coach all growing up and he was a really good coach. You know, um, I think uh, my, the love of the game comes from just probably the bond I shared with my dad over football. And it was never, you know, it was never, he was never like, a, I guess, like a, you know, in a stereotypical way, like a sports parent, you know, uh, depicted in a negative light. Like he was very supportive, you know, all my congratulations and um, encouragement always came from things based on effort. I do always remember that. So after, you know, once I got a little older, I think after middle school, you know, because uh, in, in, in Texas, they have like middle school football with little stadiums and stuff. It's kind of cool. But uh, I remember, you know, so starting in middle school when he was no longer my coach. I always remember after each game, and he kind of just carried all the way through college. And after each game, he'd really bring up the fact of how proud of, uh, like, my effort he was, or how proud he was of the effort I gave. And I always thought that was, you know, when I was young, I didn't think anything of it. But looking back on it now, it was funny. And, you know, and I feel like what he was doing was really just, uh, I, you know, he knew I was a coach pleaser. Him, you know, that, that relationship of him being my dad and kind of my coach, you know, growing up. And so... I was always coach pleaser that usually works that relationship usually happens like that with coaches kids but uh you know I never like I was always you know applauded and praised for like giving effort you know and so uh, and I remember when I was young I don't I was never like the the best player on the team when I was young but you know all my kind of awards and stuff on each team were always like effort-based awards which maybe I just had no skills right and that was the only thing I was good at was giving effort, <laughs> effort. but uh as I uh, as I developed and and got older, you know, eventually I think I caught up in the skill skill realm of things. But even in high school, you know, I felt like a late bloomer. But, uh, the, you know, going back to the, the origin of the story, I just feel like he really kind of uh, helped kind of light and, you know, mend the fire within me for my love of the game. And that came from lots of encouragement in the areas. Um, kind of those, you know, the things that I think are really important, you know, kind of, you know, effort and, you know, attitude and, you know, kind of, you know, leaving it out there for your teammates. And it's almost like, I, you know, I might be like a football romantic, but I really am into those things. You know, I really am into those kind of like, uh, I guess, the, 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 the pregame speeches you'd hear in a good football movie. Um, but, you know, I, I think all those things are what have carried me on today and why I'm still playing, uh, and at the end of the day, I've just been incredibly lucky. He was kind of my first coach, and I had an amazing high school coach in Drew Sanders, who actually just got his 100th win at our high school. And um, I was the first graduating class at that high school. Um, so I remember, you know, win one with him. But, uh, you know, he's still, it's got to be, what, we're almost 10 years later, and he's still at the same high school. And he's never had a losing season. Shoot, I, I think he's at least had like 10 win seasons every year. But so I, I just got really fortunate early in my career to have amazing, amazing mentors. And uh, and all the, the foundational things, all those stereotypical phrases, you know, they really have carried me, you know, through today. And nothing changes. I, I think in football, it just gets harder at each level. The adversity gets harder. The pressure, you know, gets greater. Um, the sacrifice is more, you know. I think of the sacrifice that, you know, my family has to make to be able to keep doing this. Um but, you know, I love it, and uh, I think it's pretty clear that one day when I am done, you know, I'll probably give coaching a real good shot just because I love the game, and, and I love, uh, you know, it's such a unique 
way to experience, you know, adversity. Um, you know, I think anytime something really bad goes in football, you know, I pray that I'm like, man, you know, this, you know, this sucks, but Hey, what a great way to face adversities in life. Cause those were, you know, I, I deal with most of my adversities and I get to wake up and when I deal with something bad, it has to do with, you know, and I have to learn a lesson in life that, you know, usually has to do with football. It's like, well, that's a, that's a pretty darn good way to go through life and, you know, develop as a human being. <laughs> so, uh, I love it, man. And I love it really for that reason. I remember when you first landed on my radar, I think your dad actually was the one that got a hold of me and said, hey, Dakota's getting looked at by Montana State, and I was looking at the high school as a new high school. So before we get into when Montana State first landed on your radar, what did you think of that opportunity? Because it is sort of unique being in a big city like Austin, Texas, and having the opportunity to sort of be on the ground floor of building a program, but that probably helped you in a lot of ways. Yeah, I did. I, I think uh, when I look back, it was uh, kind of a, you know, it's a two-sided coin. Of, I remember early on, it was kind of a weird situation because I never had, I didn't have upper class. And so from a young age, you know, I never had upperclassmen with us that were kind of like, hey, this is how we do things. You know, I had never, you know, never was, uh, there was no one ever really to look up to. And, you know, even before that, you know, I'm the oldest in my family, so I never had anyone to kind of look up to. So it was this weird situation of for a large majority of my early kind of playing career, you know, I was always kind of the leader and um, I haven't thought about it in a really long time, but I think uh, maybe, you know, it was a good thing, you know, I, you know, from a, from a young age, I got thrusted into the role of kind of being the upperclassman and being the leader. And, and even uh, when I went to this new high school, Vandergrift, you know, I was uh, at the time I was a, a safety. I was a defensive player. I think I was a linebacker or something. I was moving to safety and, and I was dead set on how hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to college to play uh, safety in the big 12. And, uh, and I, I remember coach Sanders, he uh, asking me, he goes, Hey, I, I really need a quarterback. I think you're the guy. And I'm like, I don't even, you know, I'm not, you know, I can't throw the ball. You know, I'm not, I'm not a good quarterback. Um, he, and, and it came down to, he's like, no, no, I just, I need the leader on my team to be the quarterback and athletic enough to play quarterback. And so that kind of started that process. And, uh, and I, I really didn't fall in love with quarterback till my senior year. And uh, coincidentally, I was okay with not being the starting safety anymore because my brother was my backup. So <laughs> and I thought he was better anyway. So that's how that went down. But um, yeah, you know, not having any upperclassmen and kind of, you know, building a program from the ground up, literally. Uh, I remember watching the school being constructed we were in a, a smaller building. We were like in the middle school building across the street watching the high school being built. So we didn't get into that building until I think my sophomore, junior year maybe. But uh, it was a unique experience. And, um, you know, a lot of things learned through that process are things that carry me today. And who knows, maybe down the road, hopefully a long time from now, I'll be, you know, coaching or maybe an 80 or something and have it to, having to, you know, build a program or revamp a program. And I'll probably fall back on, things learned there and I guarantee you I'll call uh, I'll call Drew Sanders uh, my high school coach because what he did there um, with that program is pretty incredible you know went from nothing to you know a top program in Texas so yeah it's been a it's been a cool cool road cool journey and I think a, a lot of the you know I think success I've had I can really hang my hat on things learned early on in my career through that experience like you were saying 
Alpine Touch is legendary around the state of Montana for providing delicious seasonings for every grilling occasion. Now Alpine Touch offers so much more, from a savory new barbecue sauce to spicy pepper blends to tasty barbecue rubs. In addition to the classic, Alpine Touch has a variety of seasoning salts for whatever you need to spice up. Now that the holidays are over, Alpine Touch makes a perfect thank you gift to show your friends and relatives you love them. Alpine Touch, available at retail locations around Montana or online at alpinetouch.com. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. Well, tell us a story about when Montana State first landed on your radar. What, what do you remember about the first time you learned about the Bobcats? Yeah, uh, so long ago now, right? Um, what I really remember is I remember, you know, hearing about their interest, and I remember looking up, uh, they had just won three Big Sky Championships, right? That's right. And I remember looking that up and then seeing, and I remember one of the big recruiting pitches was the whole Texas Pipeline. And I always thought that was really cool. Like, oh, yeah, Texas Pipeline, you know? I don't know if it's the uh, oil man in me being from Texas or what. I always thought that was really cool. Well, at that moment and, in time, uh, too, I believe that uh, I think the, the peak, that 2012, 2013, 2014, like right when you first got there, I think there was like 20 to 25 guys yep. on the MSU roster. So it was like almost one quarter of the guys were from Texas. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, there was like Na'am, Moyako, Moyakiola, maybe, and... Um, you know, Denarius. It was Denarius and the gang, is what it was, man. That's right, exactly. <laughs> Denarius the and the gang is exactly all, all the, the, way all to the put Trinity. That. Yeah, all the Trinity, all the Trinity guys, and uh, it, it was really cool. But uh, so I think that's the first. The first thing I remember is, man, I can't even honestly remember the first thing. But the the strongest thing I remember is I remember uh, Coach Rob Ash coming down to a basketball game because football season was over, and you know, obviously, I'd collected a good amount of tape. And it wasn't really till after this football season, you know, I, we were very new school. We didn't have anyone coming by for practice or anything like that. And then, you know, all around us was, you know, Westlake, Lake Travis, all these uh, kind of storied powerhouses. Um, and, you know, I, I, our school wasn't even on Google Maps, I remember. And uh, I remember, you know, I, I didn't really start getting interest until – think yeah after the season I'd, I had gotten a couple offers late in the season but you know like mind you I, I didn't even I wasn't even a full-time starting quarterback until my senior year I'd done some kind of I split some time junior year there was a young kid that they thought you know could be the quarterback and they knew I really just wanted to play safety and but when it came down to it and I got put in a competition it really fired me up and made me work really hard and one of the reasons I ended up taking over full-time at quarterback but um you know, it's funny, and, and I always look at all my, my past quarterback competitions and battles and how they always carry you forward and prepare you for the next one. And each quarterback competition I've been in, it gets harder each time. And I look back, and, you know, I never would have won that job at Montana State had I not gone through what I went through in high school. So it's, it's really cool how, you know, football and life and how it all just stacks on itself and prepares you for the next uh, moment. But, yeah, so Coach Ash came and watched a uh, basketball game. <laughs> and... Uh, I don't even remember if I knew he was in the stands or whatnot, but I remember after the game, I had a really good game. And uh, he came by, or he came up to me after the game and was just like, man, I saw your film, but I had no idea how big you were and how athletic you were. And uh, and I thought that was really cool. And I remember he had a, a white shirt on with the old Bobcat logo, which was epic. And we just got to talking a little bit. And he said, look, you know, it's uh, down to you and – we have one other quarterback on our list that we've been recruiting for a while. And, you know, we'd like to come down for, or come, come over for a home visit. And, you know, I, I can't really remember anything else besides that, but I do remember him coming over to the house and, 
my parents being all excited and compared to the other offers I had had at the time for quarterback, um, I think Montana State blew everyone away. Uh, there's no question. And so I was really excited. I wanted to go to a winning program. I wanted to go to a you know a championship program. And and Montana State was the place at the time. So so that that worked out. Actually, I think uh, I went up for the recruiting trip. I came back. I had other recruiting trips scheduled, and they really put the pressure on me. And we're like, no, like you need to kind of commit, kind of deal. And I had these other recruiting trips I was supposed to go to the next weekend, and and so I ended up calling all those coaches and. Uh, saying I couldn't make it next weekend. I was going to sign with Montana State. And it was weird. Like, none of them would take no for an answer. So then literally a couple of days later, I had the whole staff for uh, a school, I think, uh, Lamar. It's an FCS program as well. Lamar, uh, and they're in Texas. I want to say Belmont, Texas or something. And I had the whole coaching staff for them come to my house after I told them I wasn't coming on a recruiting trip. And uh, uh, I always remember that was funny and I remember calling Coach Ash about that. (laughs) But, hey, it all worked out, man. I went to the right place, that's for sure. Well, we in the media that cover this stuff, we love – not me particularly, actually. I think it kind of is exhausting and overblown sometimes. But the media in general loves quarterback battles. They love the, the, the right to replace guys, especially when the guy that you're trying to replace is a guy that was a multiple-time a league MVP and a guy that led uh, the program to multiple Big Sky Conference championships. So when uh, Daenerys McGee first graduated, the uh, – the battle to replace him was epic, and it was also so fascinating because it had distinctly different guys going for the job. Yourself, Jake Bleskin, Tanner Roderick, all you guys were way different as quarterbacks. Um, but it seemed to me that there was a lot of pressure associated with that, but you didn't seem to really feel the pressure maybe as much as some of the other guys, but that's here and over there. What do you remember about that quarterback battle? Because that was that was a big story in Montana, around the state of Montana, uh, and in Bozeman particularly, um, when Daenerys McGee first graduated and you guys were battling for the, the right to take over the job yeah that was uh that was a big part of my life um going through that what i remember most about it was um how long it was and maybe i associate the time kind of leading up to it because we both sat on denarius for for uh well i think i at least sat behind him for a year um yeah, so I just remember that was long. It was grueling. I remember every day waking up for winter workout, you know, playing some kind of motivational video on my drive-in to work out. Uh, just always, like, I, I remember feeling like I was competing for my, you know, I just, when you're in the moment, it's so much bigger than it is. But I felt like that was my life at the time. And I remember, like, hey, I'm competing for my life every day. Like, this is it. You know, if I don't get this job, <laughs> life is over. I remember feeling like that. And I wanted it so bad. And, uh, yeah, the, the biggest thing that stuck out is it was just a really, it felt like a really, really long, long time, maybe because so much emphasis was put on each day. It really felt like every day was the day you're going to win or lose the battle. And I think the coaches did a really good job of managing that competition. They, they really made us work. They made us work and they made everybody better for it. And when I look, when I look uh, back on that, you know, it just really made me, it really make, gives me appreciation, makes me realize, you know, like, you know, if I were a coach one day, I really feel like the best way to get the most out of your your um, your players is a true open, you know, competition. Because I know how hard those other guys worked. I know how hard I worked. And that's, I mean, I felt, you know, like I developed so, on so many levels and so many ways um, so rapidly through that, through that process. And I always uh, look back or, you know, when I reflect on, you know, my next college experience uh, for my graduate year, the competition was, was, was not great. And, 
it wasn't as you know grueling and and I look and I always like ask myself like you know shoulda woulda coulda if I had gone some you know you know I look at the other options and I really felt like you know Oregon was the option where there really wasn't a competition and uh, and I look at that and I'm like man you know what you know, when I when I compare both situations I feel like I was at my best when I was in the heat of competition, you know, and even when I had won the job at Montana state, um, you know, I remember the first couple of games, I remember seeing signs in the stands saying, uh, put Bleskin in. I remember after winning that job, uh, we're playing purple team university of something, Alabama, yeah, central Alabama, central maybe. Arkansas, I think they were purple uh, central Arkansas. And so I remember, you know, I still hadn't, you know, I don't think I'd had a, you know, maybe a big breakout game yet, or I don't know what it was. Um, but, you know, obviously there was a lot of people that still thought <laughs> the quarterback competition decision was wrong. And, and I remember seeing put Bleskin in signs in the stands. And, you know, oh, man, that thing with that competition was probably so hard on Jake just because of where he was from and having his brother in the program. And, and, uh, and you know, he was, he was such a talented quarterback. And, um, and I remember being in the game. I remember, like, you know, first drive maybe running or warming up and seeing all these not all these but you know i've seen signs in the in the stands and you know i kind of like that stuff you know and i remember in high school I used to the opposing team would bring signs and but so i kind of like that and and then i think i threw a uh, i rolled out to my left and threw a, a touchdown to brian Flocketter and and uh it was a big touch it was a long long pass and and then i remember <laughs> all the signs went down after that but uh uh, it was always a funny memory, but yeah, man, that that uh, that competition. That just the thing that sticks out most is you know how like grueling it was. Um, we had Coach Alex Wilcox there at our off season program, and and I think he he still to this day is probably the best off season program I've ever been in. And uh, every day was just competition, like every day the sprints we were doing, the weights we were lifting, the conditioning. Probably I I, I would argue we had the most intense. And, conditioning of any off-season program in the country um i really stand by that but yeah just uh good good memories there and prepared me for what's next and i still you know that competition i still look back to kind of that process and things learned through that you know to this day because everywhere i've been in the cfl so far i've been in competition it's a lot different at this level um you know things are really kind of uh you, you want to you don't want to like uh, say predetermined but when you look at you know contracts and how pay is structured you know things are kind of you know set set how the the the, the top wants them how the gm wants them and uh you know competition at this stage more so is like you know competing to just have the right to get a shot when the guy you know goes down and uh you know just kind of being ready for your shot kind of thing and um, so looking back at that, Montana State really prepared me to deal with the, you know, adversity up here of kind of just being a backup, backup in the CFL and just kind of kind of waiting for your shot, you know, trying to stay ready. And, and that was long, that was long and grueling. And, you know, shoot, I'm four years up here now in the CFL and it's been a long and grueling process. But each moment I feel like I'm getting closer and closer, to you know, really getting, uh, getting my chance. So. Well, then the continuity between you and, and the offense that you were running, particularly under the guidance of Tim Cramsey, uh, on one hand was uh, amazing and just so fun to watch, but also cha- fundamentally changed sort of the identity of Montana State because they had won a bunch of big sky titles with an offense that was explosive to be sure, but m- much more run heavy in terms of traditional run game and, and uh, the defense uh, was... Uh, 
part of the calling card as well. And you guys were just scoring so many points so fast. I mean, all gas, no brakes was the slogan. And I just loved watching you and Cramsey interact and just the relationship that existed there as well. Uh, but it, it took an acclimation process for the league to kind of handle what you guys were doing, but also for there to be a continuity within the program because you guys were putting up so many yards, so many points. But what do you remember about the first portion of that 2014 season? Because I never forget that game in Bozeman against Eastern Washington. I think it was 52-51 by the time it all played out. But then you guys took it the show on the road and you had that run through California where it was just a million yards and a million points and every game's a shootout. So what do you remember about that kind of that first year as a starter when you guys were ripping it up but also sort of changing the game both at Montana State and in the Big Sky? Yeah, those are for sure some of my favorite football memories. That was fun. Uh, Cramsey still to this day, I mean, the offense he runs and how he runs it, um, I was just, I, I just, it was so, so detailed, but so vast. Like, it's uh, being in so many offenses now, it's really hard to keep things simple for the players. But at the same time, you know, knowing that the structure of what you're doing on offense is really difficult for de- defenses to defend. So all the different, you know, we always had motions. We always had one guy motioning one way with a, you know, flash or slice or a brick block from a fullback coming the other way. And we always had guys pulling and, and, uh, you know, a lot of credit to uh, Jason McIndoo too. Um, you know, the stuff he was doing up front <laughs> and some of the run packages we had put together. I remember we had three really good running backs um, and then myself. So we just had so many great athletes. Um, but, you know, the Cramsey did such a good job with knowing how to use use and utilize each guy's skill set right and uh like i remember in, in our snow game like we were like chad newell you know we we were running with chad newell it's like a snow game and and he hates he hates his nickname more than anyone but grandpa used to call him his snow tires <laughs> snow tires and because, yeah and so that was always funny because chad did like that but uh you know he was just like in the snow he just had a great feel of how to run the ball in the snow and uh, uh that was that was funny but um yeah, great memories. Uh, the most explosive offense I've ever been a part of, that's for sure. You know, it's funny. I actually was back watching some film, and I was watching some film from that season not too long, not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, uh, kind of looking back at how we blocked some things up and, you know, what we were doing with, you know, different guys on certain plays because I was kind of, you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, our starter went down up here in Edmonton, and um, I had just joined this team at the end of training camp and so I was still learning the playbook and, and uh, my coach, you know, he was, you know, really interested on, you know, some kind of uh, run game type stuff that I've had success with in the past and what I've liked. And, and, you know, I just had a couple, couple plays that I always think back to. I'm like, man, those would be great. Those would, those would work really well in the CFL. But, you know, I've never been in a position where I've had a coach trusting enough to ask, you know, kind of my opinion on, on you know, some stuff. And so I actually was going back through and I was watching some of the film. And, and uh, like the Sacramento State game was something I, I watched a couple times uh, just because we had so many explosive plays in that game. But I actually drew up some stuff and shared it with them. And they altered it a little bit. And um, I actually ran some plays in the game. And I had this little package and, you know, just between me and myself, it was like my 2014 kind of, you know, California run game package, the stuff we were running back then. And, it, and you know what, you know, it worked up here too. So I had a, busted out a, a good 44 yard run on one play. And, you know, there was a couple of others that got blocked up real well that, you know, I didn't execute um, well enough to turn into touchdowns, but uh it was a, it was fun getting to do that again. But yeah, you you're exactly right. That was um that was some good football and man, I was young. You know, I was young and just had got thrown into it and 
in a, you know, in a good way. And, uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'd love to have another, uh, run like that numbers wise <laughs> in my career. Well, I'll tell you this. I think that, uh, Cramsey for, from no fault of his own, I think he, he ruined the perception of what it means to get a lot of guys involved in offenses because during spring ball, during fall camp, media is always talking about that. How many guys are going to be involved? You know, you have so much depth, all these playmakers. Coaches love talking about it. And then when it gets to be the season, it's hard. You only run, I mean, you're running 70 to 90 plays a game. You can only get certain guys involved a certain amount of times. If you have premier guys, you want to get them 10, 15, 20 touches. But Cramsey, man, he let it all hang out. He really did run a fork running back system. He really did get the ball to five six seven receivers multiple tight ends oh and by the way a quarterback that's gonna throw for three thousand and rush for a thousand so i think these poor offensive coordinators from since then have been answered all these questions about how do you get that many guys involved but nobody could do it like cramsey could yeah i agree and from my understanding you know he's still i think last year at marshall he uh i know at one point they were undefeated they were you know almost top 10 in the country uh and then i think something happened at the very end of the season and with their quarterback and they lost a couple of games but I think they were eight and out at one point but so from my understanding he's, he's still uh he's still killing it I actually uh, stay in touch with him and he does a really really good job I'm actually in a group text with Jake Bleskin, Janarius McGree and uh all of other all of Cramsey's um other um quarterbacks he's had at other schools and so it's cool I've actually built a relationship with other guys that I've never played with through Cramsey and uh you know, one of them actually was in the CFL and we got to catch up one time in pregame. And so he, he, you know, he, he really cares about his players. And I think that's why his guys play so hard for him. Uh, when I look back on it, uh, guys really wanted to go to war for him every, every week. And he was a fired up individual. I remember that. I know you guys remember that. <laughs> he used to get fired up on the sideline. Oh man. Uh, he used to go so crazy. I'll never forget uh, the, the game against Cal Paul. I think it was homecoming in Bozeman. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> you hit Jay Sean Gates on a touchdown and then Cal Poly came back with a long touchdown drive. Wide and open. then you hit Sean Johnson yeah. for a wheel route up the sideline. And Cramsey's literally standing in the middle of the field screaming at the Cal Poly no, sidelines. Everybody's trying to pull him back. I love watching him coach, man. <laughs> I know guys love that. Guys love that. He had a he had a screw loose in the in the right place. That's for sure. But no, that's the kind of stuff, you know. And um, I think as an offensive coordinator, that's where you got to be, man. You can be the fired up guy and 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 uh, and do that. And guys really rallied around him. And uh, yeah, that was a cool experience. To you know, a lot of you know things that I think uh, you know one day when I do coach, uh, if I coach, I, I I think I'd like to run my offense. You know, somewhat of how he ran ran ours in terms of kind of philosophy and and really just how he he cared for the players. And I'm in a cool situation now in Edmonton where we got a, a head coach that really cares about the players. And you know, um, we have a lot of conversations outside of football and built you know really really intentful on making um, building a good solid relationship. And because you know football is all about trust. When you can trust the guy you know coaching you, trust the guy you're playing you know, you're going to have a lot more success. And uh, I think the thing about Cramsey is we had that long, you know, brutal quarterback competition. I think the easy decision would have been to go with Jake. But, you know, I think he saw something in me. And, you know, he knew how his offense worked. And um, he put trust in me. And he was the first coach, you know, that I think really just kind of, I guess, put his neck out for me and trusted me. And that made me want to, you know, perform you know, that much better, you know, because I knew, you know, he had my back. And he, he put himself out there kind of, you know, to take the criticism of the decision of, you know, making me the starter. And, you know, I was just glad that I could back up that decision he made, you know, pretty quickly. 
At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com slash news. Well, that first year as a starter, you guys won eight games, went to the playoffs, but a disappointing ending because you yourself got hurt. I know there was a lot of guys on that team that were hurt by the end of the year, losing the first round to South Dakota State. But then the following season, uh, one that was unforgettable for a lot of different reasons, a lot of good ones and a lot of disappointing ones as well. I'll never forget covering that year. Uh, You guys couldn't have been better on offense, and uh, the defense struggled quite a bit. And I remember interviewing you there after the Portland State game. I think you guys had scored 45 points. You'd throw them for like 400 and rush for 150 or something crazy, and you guys still lost by by 17. So definitely some disappointments within that, but I think there was a a larger story there too, just in terms of the way Montana State was trying to reform its identity, learn how to play defense with an offense like that. It always is a transition point but what do you remember just about the, the team during that time because you guys uh, were an unforgettable group to be sure but also one that had a lot of accomplishments and a lot of disappointments as well yeah it was uh you know it's interesting because when i look back on that whole situation i still don't i don't know the answer because i've been a part of um even when i went over to oregon um we had a good we had a good offense uh but their defense had dramatically you know fallen off so I've been I've been a part of um, a couple like you know really explosive offenses that had defenses that really struggled and so you know I don't know the answer in terms of but I think you know there's something to what you said about you know the identity of a team and how it changes when you have a really really explosive offense and I still to this day wonder about that and I wonder you know if because we had incredible players on that defense I guess when I look back I mean fundamentally in the past we had had you know the best the best pass rush in the big sky. No question. Right. And, uh, Caleb, Brad mentor, I'm, I'm wrongly forgetting, uh, you know, other names, but I remember we had a lights out pass rush and in football, when you can rush four guys and you can create havoc on the quarterback, you're going to do a really good job on defense. Right. So I don't know if it was the loss of pass rush a little bit, um, from just like a technical standpoint, you know, I, I would imagine that was the big difference. We got very used to just rushing four and dropping everyone else and uh, into coverage. And, uh, you know, that caused you know issues for teams for sure. But I think, you know, from a, you know, like ideal, all, uh, excuse me, an ideological standpoint or like a philosophy standpoint, I think maybe there is something too, when you have a really high powered offense, then maybe your defense loses his identity of like, we have to make this stop, you know, every freaking time. Um, because it's almost like, you know, when you when you look at those teams that have low scoring offenses, you know, at least the winning teams that have low scoring offenses, the defenses, well, you know, I guess obviously hold t- their opponents to low score. You know, so I, I, I don't know, I'd, you know, I'd be interested in hearing some defensive minds and their philosophy on it. But, you know, I, I still to this day don't understand why we had the struggles we did, because I think we had really good players. I think we had good coaches, you know, and, it, you know, how the drop off. Yeah, it, it was weird, you know, looking at the drop off of, you know, when Janarius was there, the defense was just lights out, you know, and, uh, and, you know, we still, like when I played, I, you know, had Alex Singleton, you know, so we had great players. So just, you know, it, it, it's curious, you know, I don't really have an opinion on, 
you know, why uh, why that happened. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, man, it, it really is a team game. And, and you know, when we didn't win, it was because, you know, both sides didn't win. I know it's it's easy to say that, you know, like, oh, the, the numbers were so great on offense, this and that. And, you know, like I looked at Eastern, that Eastern Washington game my first year, actually, I feel like both years, but that first year, like, I think they won the very end, what, what did it go for two or something? And yeah, they got they the two to win, fifty-two to fifty-one in Bozeman, and then the yeah. next year on the red, it was like fifty-five to fifty-one or something like that. You guys had like eight hundred yards of total yeah, offense. Yeah, man. Yeah, so it's like you know, all you can really do as a quarterback is be like, man, if I would have just made one more play, you know, I'll be like one play away from maybe flipping that score. But you know, I, I don't think there's any any good in trying to point at the defense because, you know, hey, if you look at Eastern, I guess their defense was suffering too, you know, like we were putting up great great numbers on their defense. So, I don't know, man, big sky ball and the high-powered offenses and I, I don't I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it'd be, it'd be really interesting to hear hear some other thoughts on that. Uh, but, hey, good memories and, you know, uh, Vernon Adams is still playing up here. And he is with the Montreal Alouettes. And uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, one day getting to play against him again. All right, so we'll go a little rapid fire here. Uh, just off the top of your head, don't think too hard about it, but what, what's the most memorable game you played at Montana State? Oh, the most memorable game? Uh, there's so many good ones, but I think the Sacramento State game. Oh, man, 59-56. Uh, yeah, 59-56. Uh, I think maybe seven seconds to go with the Final touchdown to Mitch Herbert. Um, yeah, that was a neat one just because it felt like everything was clicking that night. But at the same time, uh, Sacramento State was a very formidable opponent, and they were firing on all cylinders as well. So to have that shootout and to come out on top, because I believe it was the same season, you know, we we had a shootout with, like, Eastern Washington and yep. ended up losing. So, so to, to finally to get to pull ahead in one of those at the very end, uh, it was a cool, memorable moment. And it was a big deal for Mitch Herbert because we saw the potential in him. He had been coming along, and I think that was maybe only his second or third game, maybe even his first as, like, a full-time starter. And so for him to perform and make the game-winning catch as a freshman was really cool. Who was the best player you remember going up against, or or maybe even group of players? Gone against, I think on I think on a weekly basis going against Alex Singleton. Yeah, on the other side of the ball on your own team, yeah, exactly really, for sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, he, he could really fly fly around the ball. Um, in terms of you know who we played against, I remember playing against Southern Utah um, when they had three or four players on their defense. It all were just studs, and I want to say one of them is like uh, James Kowser, maybe. Yep, James Kowser. Yep, Miles Killebrew yeah. is still in the NFL. Yeah, uh, yeah. LaShawn so Sims is still in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, man, that was a stacked defense. So I remember that defense is really good. Um, you know, that was at you know Montana State uh, at Oregon. Uh, Christian McCaffrey going against him and watching him. Uh, Kind of reminded me of uh, a faster version of Zach Zinner. I remember playing when we played Zach when he was at uh, San Diego State for that playoff game in the snow. And he housed like I want to say two touchdowns for fifty yards. Yeah. Um, and then uh, so when I'm at Oregon and we're playing Stanford, I watched Christian do that <laughs> like three times. Yeah. Like, oh wow, it was funny. Just kind of splitting image of that that uh, playoff game, just busting 50, 60 yard touchdowns. So, pretty impressive. 
who were some of the best guys you thought you played with, or I guess guys that uh, maybe you miss uh, going to battle with every weekend? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, we had a really special group of offensive linemen at Montana State. Yeah. And, you know, only after leaving and even still playing to this day, you know, can I really appreciate how good they, they were. Um, we had so many great offensive linemen. Uh, you know, one guy that always sticks out to me was Chad Newell. He was one of the most selfless players I ever played with. Um, he loved football just a, about a, as much as you could. So when I look back at, like, Montana State days and I reflect on, you know, all, you know, with so many great teammates and coaches, but when I, when I think back to those days, like, the first name that comes to mind is always Chad. Um, had, you know, a lot of great memories of him in the backfield. And, and Gunnar Brecky, you know, having him, him and Gunnar both back there, that was a cool crew. But, uh, yeah, man, that was a special time just because we had so many, so many great, not only just, like, players, but great men you know and getting to play with that group is really special well last question for you then uh obviously you are continuing to live your football dream and you're making money playing football it's your career it's your job all of that in between but uh how do you think that your time at montana state set the stage for that i mean how do you think your time as a bobcat influenced you and and what we remember i I guess just about the way it has influenced your life overall yeah i would say my time at montana state was the most influential time in, in my life thus far especially within my career um you know, had I not gone to Montana State, I don't think there's a shot of still playing today. <laughs> right. Uh, just like we were, we were talking about early in the conversation, I you know, I still look back and I was extremely blessed and fortunate to even get the opportunity to go play for the Bobcats. You know, they were rolling, they were firing, and for them to come and recruit me out of Texas was really special. And they were by far the, the best the best school that recruited me. So still this day, I'm like, man, you know, even the way it all ended, it was me going to, to Oregon at the end of my career. I look back, I'm just like so grateful that I even had the opportunity to go to Montana State. Um, and, you know, it really propelled my career. You know, having Tim Cramsey in there, you know, someone he was the first coach to really kind of trust me and just give me a shot, you know. Um, so valuable. And it, it's tough because a quarterback, kind of with my skill set, uh, that, you know, could make plays with his feet and kind of, you know, he could make plays, you know, outside of the system. I think it, I think that, you know, not all OCs are comfortable with that. And for, you know, Tim Cramsey and, you know, uh, Raw Vash at Montana State to give me the opportunity and kind of put their trust in me when I was young. And uh, that was real special. And that was a defining moment in my career. Um, and, you know, competing against Jake Bluskin, you know, that pushed me to be the best quarterback I could be. So it was kind of like, a, you know, when I look at things from my perspective, you know, kind of the perfect storm of things came together to, to push me to be the best quarterback I could be. And then I was surrounded by a group that, you know, got the job done, you know, and I was, you know, one, just one of the players on offense. So it was a real special time in my life. And I'll always look back uh, with extreme extremely fond memories and still my favorite time uh favorite favorite football i've played uh during my career this far but i'm I'm hoping to to you know continue playing and you know well into my 30s and keep it going well we always like to end with something fun and so this is not necessarily about you or montana state but there are some crossovers here and uh 
I, because of my connection with the Herbert family, as well as then yep. chronicling you going to Oregon and all that, I've been the biggest advocate for Justin Herbert ever. Whenever we were doing draft stuff, I was yeah. like, dude, the dude is he's going to be legit. And there was all these haters, whatever, but there's this new video out now yep. of him smashing the TVs of all the guys hating on him. I think it's the greatest video ever. But uh, <laughs> you you had a chance to be alongside Justin, so that must be pretty cool for you to watch a guy that's, uh, I mean, he's taking the NFL by storm, man. I mean, he's, he's one of the great young quarterbacks the league has seen in a long time. Probably pretty cool for you to know him like you do. Yeah, it was a cool scenario playing with Mitch and then, you know, going to Oregon and playing with Justin. And, you know, before Oregon offered Justin, I think he was actually really considering going to Montana State I, as well. I still, have, cool I still have a sure. text on my phone from when he was a junior in high school. He texted me and he said, hey, my brother Mitch said that you're the guy that covers recruiting. I just got an offer from Montana State. It's my uh, first offer. I'm so excited. And you're right. He almost was going to go to Montana State before he got a late offer from Oregon. Yeah, I remember being with Mitch and watching Justin's games when he was in, at Sheldon High School and Cramsey always like chiming in about it and asking how he's doing. So yeah, crazy crossover there. But you know, I'm so happy for him. Uh, nothing better than seeing a good person have you know uh, such a high level success at, at the professional level. You know, and and Justin was always a good dude, just like his brother Mitch. And uh, yeah, there was all sorts, you know, so many doubters, and which I never understood why. I'm like, how, you know, how do how do you have so many critics? It didn't make sense. He had a great career at Oregon, even when he stepped on the field as a freshman, um, halfway into the season to replace me. You know, right away he started. He, you know, he 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 started putting up great numbers. Now we weren't. You know, we didn't have the most success as a team, but Justin instantly kind of stepped in and had success. So that that right there should be a tell that he'd be able to do it at the next level, which he which he has. So um, it's funny we're even talking about it because I was actually texting Justin the other other day for the first time in a while, and it was after his uh, his last huge win, and and it's just so it's so great to see him have such success because you know he he does it the right way and he treats people the right way. So, you know, you can't root against someone like that. No question. Catching up with the cast, Dakota Prukop. Man, true pleasure. Good good talking to you. Best of luck with the rest of your current season, and uh, we'll hopefully catch up with you again soon. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll schedule the next conversation five years from now. So we'll, Great. we'll do it once every five years. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, man. Great talking to you. It's football season in Montana, and that means it's hunting season too. Keep your taste buds watering whether you're bow hunting or tailgating by staying stocked up on Alpine Touch. The traditional seasoning is perfect for any and all meat. The barbecue sauce, perfect for your tailgate. And the sunflower seeds, amazing, are ideal for hunting camp or your seat at the football stadium. Available at retail locations around the state or at alpinetouch.com. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice.